and to look at the scripture for today, we're reading from Proverbs chapter 1, we're reading verses 20 through 33. Would you read aloud with me? Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out, at the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, And would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, And did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, and will be at ease. Without dread of disaster. Pretty strong words, right? I mean, if you're listening there, there should be some quaking in your boots right now. In other words, bad choices have consequences. And there's always wisdom available to you before you make the bad choice. The question is, will you listen as wisdom cries out to you, as it calls you by name, as it offers to pour its spirit upon you, or will you go with your own devices? What happens to most of us is we want God to protect us when we're being stupid. And we're angry if he doesn't. All of us have made bad choices. When I first started hearing and understanding the voice of the Holy Spirit, when I first began to say, you can know the voice of God, I still had other voices that I was listening to. Voices like anxiety, voices like anger, voices of of fear. But I could hear his voice. I began to hear his voice. It was about 1994, 95, as I really began to say, I'm going to listen to the voice of God. But I didn't realize how many other voices were inside, clamoring for my attention. Notice in the scripture, it says wisdom is crying out to you. It calls to you, not just in your bed, but at your home and at your workplace. The voice of the Lord, I began to hear, but... I still had these other voices inside of my head. Well, as Lisa and I began to 
be involved in deliverance and spiritual warfare, we were no longer acceptable to the church we grew up in. And they asked us, well, they told us, <laughs> that it was time to find another place. And so we went and we planted a church, and we didn't know where, what was going to happen. We didn't know what was going on. I was sitting in my bedroom, sitting on the bed, and I heard as clear as a bell the voice of the Lord, and he said, do not be afraid, trust me. Trust me. That was his clear word. That was wisdom's clear word, and the Spirit would have honored that word. Didn't trust it. I had a mortgage, two children, a wife. We all like to eat. So I said, I'll trust you, but I'm going to get a job. You hear the but? So I got a job, and I had a four-year detour. Choices are hard to come back from. Now, God, in his grace and his mercy, taught me a lot in that four-year detour. He taught me many things, but I lost many things. For four years, I lost being with my children every night. For four years, I gave my family the worst of me, not the best of me. Even today, sometimes I talk to my 34-year-old son, and he says, Dad, you were really mean during that time. Can't get that back. I can say I'm sorry. I can tell you I was wrong, but I can't get it back. Can't get those years back. See, one choice, this is what this passage is saying. One choice, one wayward choice can make all the difference in the world. God, who is good, redeems even our stupidity. And he brings wisdom out of our foolishness. But only if you admit it was foolish. See, if you continue to defend bad choices, you will keep making bad choices. You can only get wisdom if you recognize how little of it you have. So this passage tells us a lot about wisdom. One of the, one of the things I'd like you to know is it gives us three distinct words that are the foundation of your wisdom. And the words are insight, prudence, and instruction. So take your holier-than-thou attitude, point it at somebody else. Come on, get your finger. Come on, we're having fun together. Come on. All right, point it at them, and with the, you know, your righteous whatever, say to them, you need insight. You need insight. See, you love that. You don't like it said to you, but you enjoy saying it to them. <laughs> Say it one more time. You need insight. You need, insight. You need, prudence. You need prudence. And you're going to get instruction. <laughs> well, some of you have Jesus and you still don't have wisdom. Such thing as wise fools. Here's what, here's what wisdom is from the scriptures. 
In Hebrew, insight means that you can see the difference. That you can make distinctions. Now see, a lot of us know good from bad. But we don't know good from best. So we choose the lesser because we don't want to pay for the better. Insight tells you how to choose the best. Not to settle, not mediocre, but best. Jesus didn't say, I came that you might have life mediocrely. <laughs> he said, I said, I came that you might have life abundantly. Insight, what does it mean to have life abundantly? Prudence is so interesting because we don't use that word anymore. But in the scripture, the idea here is that you have a strategic view of life. That you know how to use the resources you have to accomplish what you've been called to do. It's actually foresight. That you can see the way ahead. One of my friends explains it this way. He calls it the NASA way of thinking. NASA knew that they wanted to go to the moon. And so what did they have to do? They say, well, there's the earth and there's the moon. How do we get from here to there? And one of the things that they learned that was very interesting to me is they could figure out how to land on the moon. They could figure out how to leave earth. The hardest part was the middle. Ever notice that? The middle, when you're shooting for the moon, is the most difficult part. And what happens is you get almost there, lose your way, and you stop and you try to go back. Lots of us have unfinished moonshots. We know where we want to go. We know what we want, but we never get there. A lot of times we, we end or we stop five minutes short of landing because we get lost or we get scared. See, prudence says, I know how strategically how to get from where I am to where I want to go. I know how to accomplish what I, what I believe in my heart needs to be accomplished. And then in Hebrew, the word instruction is really interesting to me. Because it, it's not the idea of just transferring information. See, in the, in the scriptures, when you instruct someone, you're actually imparting yourself to them. You're giving them not just what you know, but what you've experienced. Listen to me. Whatever water is in you is the water your, your, your children, your friends are drinking from. If it's living water, they're experiencing life from you. If it's tainted water, they're experiencing pollution from you. This is what this scripture talks about. And, and see, you have no idea the full potential that you have. You've had people tell you almost your whole life stuff that's negative about you, that's negative to you, and you have limited yourself in terms of your potential, in terms of your destiny. The only one who knows the depths of what you can do and be is God. And see, when you get to the end and you get frustrated and you feel like you're out of your resources that is not a bad place. That's the place where God is saying, I'm inviting you to a new level of anointing. 
I'm inviting you to a new level of effectiveness. But to get there, you have to buy wisdom. To get there, you have to let go of the baggage of the past so you can soar to the new level. Around 1995 or so, I began to realize that the ministry, the teaching, the preaching that God was asking me to do was nothing like the level I'd come from. But in order to get where I could see that I wanted to go, I had to break. And that I could not bring the baggage of the past into the new level in the present. And it was scary because I had lots of secrets. I had lots of secret sexual issues. I had secret lust issues. I had secrets I'd never shared with Lisa. And I was so afraid that if I let her know how broken I really was, that she would never love me again. I even had, I had shameful, silly ways of dealing with life. In some ways... I'm an incredibly honest guy. There's hardly anything that I don't open up to the world about myself. But I hate disapproval. And I especially, there's a face that she makes. <laughs> and there is a tone of voice that she gets. And I am eight years old again. <laughs> it is really hard to lead your family as an eight-year-old. <laughs> it is hard to be the pastor of a church as an eight-year-old. And I had hidden. I, I hid even how I spent our money. Because I did not want her to know what I was spending on. Because I didn't want her to go, you bought what? <laughs> Suddenly the Lord said, if you want to go to the next level, all this has to be out. All of it has to be out. There cannot be secret places. There cannot be hidden places. And so... A thing happened to me that I've come to understand is a very important step in the instruction of wisdom. Uh, my friends call it, and I agree with them, we call it a whole life confession. In other words, where there's nothing that hasn't been spoken out. There's nothing that hasn't been confessed. There's no secret place that, that the enemy can come and say, you're disqualified. And so I gathered a few trusted friends, ministers with me, and, uh, or Lisa gathered them, actually, as I remember now, <laughs> and said, I participated in this. <laughs> but I do remember the look on her face when you said, you're going to go talk to these guys. <laughs> and so I'm sitting with these guys, and I just start blurting out everything. My greatest fear was if anyone ever knew me, they would hate me. My greatest fear is if anyone knew how broken I was, I would never get to do what I wanted to do. The opposite was true. As a matter of fact, the, the men who listened to my confession loved me more, respected me more, and brought healing to me that I could never have as long as I had secrets. You understand what, I, what I'm saying here is that wisdom plums the depth of your character 
and exposes and reveals to you both the dark places, but also the potential that is there. You have no idea all that you can do, but God does. And even when he's squeezing you, don't resist it. <laughs> I think I've told you this before, but I'm really cheap when it comes to my toothpaste. I do not like one drop to be thrown into the trash can. Plus, I often forget to get a new one. So I'm squeezing the last bit out. You know what? When I squeeze, uh, honey doesn't come out. When I squeeze, poison doesn't come out. Only what's in comes out. And no matter how much I squeeze, I can't produce it if it's not in there. I believe what's happening in most of your trials and troubles is you're being squeezed. And you're being squeezed by the enemy so that you'll quit. And you're being squeezed by God so that you can be healed. So that the capacity that he knows you have can be revealed. And, and let me say, that, say it this way too. No one can speak to you like a father speaks to you. Most young people who enter into adulthood with no self-awareness, it's because their father never spoke to them. But when you have a loving, wise father, he's going he's gonna to point things out all along the way. You know, it's your father who can say to you, don't put your elbows on the table. It's your father who can say, don't sneeze at the table. You know, your friends can say to each other, can you believe he sneezed at the table? But they can't really speak into that place in your life like a father can. The wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings is the wisdom of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the wisdom of the Ancient of Days. It is the wisdom of the all-knowing God. So where he squeezes is strategic. He is not trying to destroy you. He's shooting you to the moon. Well, is this making sense to you? So what happens with a lot of Christians is they don't realize that wisdom is always about reality. See, the, the anxious person, many Christians are very anxious people. The anxious person looks at reality and is scared to death. The, the, uh, <laughs> the person in your life who causes all the anxiety looks at life and floats on a cloud lives in fantasy, you know, has get-rich-quick schemes, who, you know, constantly can't keep jobs because, you know, life is never the ideal place that you want it to be, so you just float along. And so there's, there's some of us who are really in touch with reality, but we're scared to death and worry all the time. And there's some of us who are never in touch with reality and just play like, if, if I just pretend it isn't there, it'll go away. And somehow these people always marry each other. I don't know what that is. <laughs> See, but, but what Proverbs is saying, that if your wisdom is not about reality, it's not wisdom. The whole of the book of Proverbs is so that you will be able to navigate life as it really works, not as you have it in your head. Wisdom is not from Disney. Wisdom is from God. 
He sees reality and he gives revelation. You know, it's, it's learning not just to have knowledge, but what to do with that knowledge. Knowledge is assumed in wisdom. But it's not just, it's not just morality and it's not just law abiding. It's a whole lot more than that. I mean, if you're trying to decide who am I going to marry, you can't just do Christian roulette. You know what Christian roulette is, right? You just take the Bible and flip it open and say, God, speak to me. So you got, you know, say you're a young woman and you got two men that love you and you're thinking, should I marry one of these? And you flip it open and the Bible turns to John and one of the guys' name is John. It must be God. <laughs> no, you're an idiot. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, most of your decisions are within a moral realm. It is, in other words, if there are two good men who you as a woman want to pick between for a husband, and they're both Christians, and they both love God, there's no moral issue there. But you pick the wrong one, you're going to live in hell. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to take wisdom to pick that right guy. And then when you come to me later and go, this guy is such a jerk. And I go, you chose him. <laughs> What's wrong with you that you're attracted to the wrong one? Instead, we all go, he's terrible. He's awful. That's not wisdom, friends. And what you're saying is you have no insight. You have no prudence, and you're not willing to be instructed. I mean, think about it. Another way to look at it is you get two jobs or two job offers. Both of them, you come to me as pastor and say, Pastor, is there anything in the scriptures that says that I shouldn't take one of these jobs? And I go, no, they're both, they're both good jobs in terms of morality. But one of those jobs fits you. Fits your gifts, your talents, your calling, and one doesn't. You have to be able to have insight to know which one of these is best for you. Am, am I making this clear to you? You see, when you take the wrong job, it's disastrous. But if you keep taking the wrong job and it keeps being disastrous, it's not the job's fault. It's you. You have not learned wisdom. And so the, the, writer, the writer here begins to inform us about the importance of wisdom. And then he contrasts the wise person with two other people. And he, one of them is called the simple, and the other is called the fool. Okay, I would have you look at each other, but you'd enjoy this way too much. <laughs> if I were to have you say, which one, of you, which one are you? Are you the simple one or are you the fool? Guess what? We're all both. We're born with a foolishness in our heart. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That's what Proverbs says. <laughs> so what does it mean to be simple? Now, in literal Hebrew, it means young. But in, in the way that it's applied, it is not about age. You can be 100 years old and still be simple. Because 
What's going on with the sinful person is that they refuse to face reality. They refuse to develop. It's an immaturity, a naivete that says, I don't need to learn these things. I don't need to change. I don't need any wisdom. Have you noticed any of you who are older like me, that if you rely on a GPS, you get where you're going, but you have no idea how you got there? And then if somebody says, how did you go? You're like, I just put it in my iPhone and it told me. Have any of you had an opportunity where the iPhone takes you to the wrong place? I, I was speaking at a college of prayer in Jamaica, Queens. Wish it would have been Jamaica, but uh, uh, in Jamaica, Queens. And I got there, went to the church. But if you ask me right now, could you tell me where that church is? All I can say is in Jamaica, Queens. I cannot tell you how I got there. I don't even know how I came home because my app diverts me in different directions and all kind of stuff. I even, in Flushing, there's this Chinese restaurant that has fried rice that Lisa loves, which I picked up on the way, but I have no idea how I got there. I just put the name into the GPS. It took me to the place. And I, if I sat here and you, try, you asked me, how do I get there? I would have no idea how to tell you. But there are many of you that maybe you grew up in Queens or you know, you know where Jamaica is, you know where Flushing is, and you have, you have worn a path there. And, and you know, okay, at this time of day, we're going to take this highway, we're going to go over this bridge. This time. No, we don't go over that bridge. There's construction there. You see, that's not GPS knowledge. That's wisdom. What is God trying to do? He's trying to take the simple and say, look, I am not your GPS. I am your father who wants to teach you how to read a map. Amen. And then so you can get there and you can tell others how to get there. Amen. But the problem is a GPS is always, a, it's always attached to something. And so the simple, it's the Proverbs teaches that the simple have attached their GPS to their friends' opinions. Do any of you remember, you know, some of you maybe are still but, but in high school, but those of us that it was a while ago, your parents had some wisdom. You thought they were idiots. And you thought your friends were geniuses. The older you get, what happens? You go, why did I ever listen to those people? And the gurus that I listened to on sex were seventh graders <laughs> just like me. All I knew about romancing a woman came from other idiots just like me. They didn't have wisdom. They were simple. But they talked like they had wisdom. Are you understanding what I mean? Undeveloped, immature, connected to the wrong people. A GPS that takes you to the wrong place. Then the fool is interesting because it's the opposite of what we usually think of foolishness. Because sometimes we think of foolishness as kind of recklessness. We think of it as, you know, abandoned from, from productivity or our work or what. 
you know, sometimes in your life you need just some foolishness. You need to just blow off some steam. You need to laugh, a belly laugh. You need to just be with people that's not about work. This isn't what that's about. This is about a person who is wise in his own eyes. This is a person who has a setness in his own ways. My way is the right way. This is a person who can never say they are wrong. If you have trouble saying you're sorry, you're a fool. If you have trouble admitting when you're wrong, that is foolishness according to Proverbs. When you protect your own opinions and you keep your own counsel, you're a fool, Proverbs say. See, the problem with the simple is they attach to the wrong people. The problem with a fool, they're not attached to the right people. Because when you're kind of an island in your own wisdom, you are foolish, the Bible says. So when you look at that and you, you see these things, you realize you got to learn how to apply wisdom when it's not natural to you. And so Proverbs talks about, about a threat that comes to you as, a, uh, as a, 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 either an application of wisdom or a problem that reveals your lack of wisdom. Now, Proverbs said this almost, you know, what, 2,500 years ago or more? Uh, but modern developmental psychologists are starting to catch up with Proverbs. <laughs> there was an article in the Atlantic Monthly that explains so well that every single one of us is wired neurologically, neuro in our neurochemistry, to respond to threats in one specific way. Not in three different ways, but one way. The way you are wired is a DNA wiring. And when threats come, and this whole, this whole thing I read to you in, in, in Proverbs is all about when you feel threatened, when you feel challenged, when calamity comes at you, how will you respond? Will you respond in wisdom or you will respond like a simpleton or like a fool? And, and, and here's, here's what this uh, leader of developmental psychology said. We are wired to respond in three ways. We either respond aggressively, anxiously, or philosophically. And everyone has a bent, a wiring towards one, a disposition towards one of these. For example, the anxious person, when threats come, the anxious person says, get me out of here. I need to run from this. The aggressive person says, let me at it. And the philosophical person goes, it can't possibly be as bad as it seems. Let's chill. Let's play like it's not even there. All right, so if, if and I'm not going to try to prophesy over you which one you are. But let's say you're one of, you're, you, you, you catch one of, the, that you're one of, the, I, I, I'm wired aggressive. Man, you should have seen me in Queens yesterday driving. I took them all on, left them in my dust, and I'm here today. No back down whatsoever, okay? They will remember me. 
But some of you, soon as you say, I gotta go to the city. Oh. You look you look for someone like me to drive you. And then you yell at me the whole time. And then the philosophical one sits in the back seat saying, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. That wasn't a truck. <laughs> so for, for you, one of these responses feels right every time. The problem is your habitual response is generally wrong. Now, let me, let, me, let me illustrate this from this article. See, if you're in high danger, the anxious response is, is the best. For example, if I'm walking down the sidewalk and a copperhead snake is right there, the anxious response is excellent. Get out of the way of the copperhead. Run. Flee. But if that copperhead is your husband, or your children, or your boss, running is probably not the best, but you're responding to the boss as if he is a copperhead. You get what I'm saying here. So that response, which is natural to you, run from the snake, doesn't work if the snake is somebody you know. You have to stay there. You have to face them. You have to lean into the situation. But if it's a snake, a poisonous snake, you've just had the best response ever. But how many snakes do you meet in Rockland? You can say, well, everywhere I go. Yeah, but they're people. <laughs> they're people. And they don't like to be treated like snakes. Or, you know, the mid-level, if, if it is a... If it is a something that can be handled, it's something that can be dealt with, then my aggressive approach works. But if it's high danger, it doesn't work. And if it isn't as bad as I think it is, it doesn't work. So I want to come into a situation and say, I'm going to be the hero. The problem is the wrong response to the situation. Now I'm a zero. As a matter of fact, see, the aggressive person always escalates. And when you come into a situation that doesn't need escalating, you're the worst person for that situation. And then the, the philosophical person goes, it's not as bad as it is. Well, the Bible says it is pretty bad that you have an enemy who is like a roaring lion who's, who's seeking whom he may devour. You cannot ignore Satan and hope he goes away. But see, if, if Proverbs is right, then it's saying... That acting naturally is what's hurting you. Acting according to your nature is what's hurting you. And so instead of saying, I'm going to do it my way, you start going, let me do it the wisdom way. Let me change. Let me get wisdom. Let me realize that sometimes I need to de-escalate, not escalate. Sometimes I need to escalate, not de-escalate. But all times I need to hear from God. I need to know the heart of God. I need to know the wisdom of God. I need to not check out, but I need to lean into His love. Can you hear me today? Would you stand with me? I am certain of this. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to a new level. 
new level of wisdom, a new level of triumph, a new level of navigating through life's challenges. He doesn't want you overcome by the threats. He wants to overcome the threats for you. But in order to do that, you have to make choices. And one of those choices is to say, I have been very simple. I am undeveloped in terms of my wisdom. I am undeveloped in terms of my, you know, using my natural abilities instead of my supernatural promises. Some of you have been foolish. You've thought, okay, I know what's right. I never have to say I'm sorry because I'm never wrong. But life isn't working out so well for you. You know, the fool's life doesn't work very well. And you have to come to that place where you begin to say, I need more. I want life. I want it abundantly. I want breakthrough. I want my family to know how much I love them. I want, I want the people around me to know how good God is to me. If you are a fool and a simple person and you say God is good, it has no meaning. It's in your wisdom you say God is good. It's as you have triumphed over the challenges that that word has meaning. I love hearing from people who have been through a lot and who say, I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's a testimony that cannot be challenged. Not just words, but heart. I got some of our prayer people here today. Would you come up? I feel like some people want to go deeper with God in terms of wisdom. Would you come and stand up here with me, prayer guys? Come on up. I'm, I'm always in trouble because I run us late. But if this is touching you today and you're saying, I think God is inviting me to a new level. Would you come and join me up here? Would you just come on up? we got room up here. We'll make room. Would you just come and you say, I think God has been inviting me to a new level of wisdom, a new level of anointing, a new level of ministry. If you feel like that, would you just come up here and join me? You sense God, you know you've been simple. You know you've been foolish and you want to be wise. And you don't want it to, you know, you don't want just one shot. You want a sustained wisdom. You want, you want, you want to pass this down to your children. You want to, you, want to, you want to make good decisions about who you're going to marry. You want to make good decisions about your job, who your friends are. All of these things. I just want you to come. Our prayer people can pray with you afterwards if you want to just have a word with them. Just seal this up. But I just want to pray a prayer over you. Would you say this with me? Lord, I confess my simpleness. I confess my foolishness. I reject and renounce them. I ask you for wisdom. I choose wisdom. You have said you'll pour out your spirit on me. I receive your spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just pray with one of our prayer people for a minute? Just make a commitment that God's going to take you deep and you're going to go deep with him in insight, instruction, and prudence right now. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.